The opinions and views expressed in this video are purely for entertainment purposes and not for investment advice. Hey, what's up, guys? Back for another episode of Jack of All Trades here with David and Sam. Uh, we don't really have too much of a structure for this week's episode, so we're just going to kind of take a look at the market sentiment again and just touch base on a couple things that we've been seeing. You know, like, are we near the end of a bear market? Do we think it's going to turn around? You know, what are some indicators that we're looking at? What are we kind of getting a feel for? So uh, that'll that'll be like a kind of a loose discussion. Um, we'll just go from there. So uh, <clears throat> first off, I, I, Sam, if you want to pull up my screen here, I just want to show this this chart here. So this is actually kind of funny because I drew, I was talking to Brendan, who he, he was on some of the earlier episodes of our shows. And um, we were just talking about like, all these different scenarios like what do we think is going to happen so i just started i did all this on my phone like all these lines i just drew them in by hand on my phone so i was looking i was like okay well you know technical analysis what do i see right i see i see a top here which is a pretty good support level it kind of consolidated before it broke out and we're kind of getting close to that low again and then the major top that i think is right here like the 340 so this kind of 340 to 360 area is like my main focus um and the reason for that is obviously because that was before we had COVID and everything just kind of tanked right down um you could say the 320 area too if you want to get like a really big range like 320 340 360 um you know if, if this was kind of an intraday chart and i was trying to scale into a bounce or something like that those would probably be the lines that i'd be looking at um what do you think about that david just off the top of your head i don't know if you've kind of pinpointed a bottom based on your stuff yet or yeah, you know what's funny? I think we, we briefly touched on it like at the end of one of the episodes uh, where I pulled a fib and it was right at like the 34 or 35 mark. And you and you mm. kind of laughed a little bit. We're like, we're, we have two complete different methods, but it's given us the exact like area of, of interest. Yeah. Well, like, vo like volume is always the big thing that I look at, right? Like that's kind of like my main, like, like I look at the chart and then if the chart doesn't kind of align with the volume, then I kind of consider it irrelevant. And like what I mean by that is basically like I'll draw a line but if I don't see something significant happening in the volume at that line as well, then it doesn't really mean as much to me. So, um, you know, like for here, for example, like obviously as soon as we kind of started turning over, you can see on the volume, if I, if I zoom in down here, like this is back in COVID, like we were topping out, topping out. And then as soon like the very first red candle, even though the price didn't move much, you can see the volume here just picks up and then picks up. Like even the volume on this day here where we only dropped from, you know, 337 down to 333, you know, like only a couple bucks, the volume is basically double what it was two days ago. So like, that's the kind of stuff that I kind of like to look for. So that, that, like that obviously becomes like a major area of interest. And then obviously we got that big, uh, that big wash down, but it's the same kind of thing. Like, even if you go back here, this is, um, what is this? This is 2019. So, and you can do this on any chart. Like I just, I don't trade the S and P. I just kind of, you know, I'm just kind of looking just for our argument's sake. Like I say, I'm a, podcast every week you know i just i just buy for investments i'm not looking to you know hoard my cash and throw a whole chunk in at the bottom by any means i just kind of basically just do this for fun um but yeah it's the same kind of thing here right like i mean you know every time we kind of have a bit of a movement here we get a big volume spike so as soon as as soon as the market kind of drops here get a big volume spike and then up here you know the reason in my opinion that this didn't break out is because there wasn't any more volume so um, this is something I do. I use a lot of my trading is, is basically like, like a double top sort of situation. So in this case here, like volume is your interest, right? So like volume is basically going to tell you how many people are interested in the stock or the index or whatever it is and how many people are trading and how many people are buying it, how many people are selling it. Like just, you know, just, just think interest, right? right? You go to the store on black Friday. I mean, the place is packed, right? It's going to be chaos. There's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be a lot of stuff selling. There's going to be a lot of stuff flying off the shelves. It's the same thing in the stock market. So in this case here, you know, this is one of the things you guys can kind of use as a trick that I look for for short selling is if you get uh, a top like this that's on big volume and then it goes back up and it retests that same level. And here you can see our volume is basically half what it was the first time it hit. That to me tells me that nobody cares. Like nobody's interested in buying here. Nobody's trying to push the stock to new highs. There's just no interest. So when this thing kind of just fumbles around that level for a while, like to me, like that's basically a, a guaranteed short, like no brainer. Like, yeah, that thing's going to sell right back down because nobody cares. Like it's up near the highs. It's up near a potential breakout level and there's nobody looking at it. So why is it going to break out? It's not right. So um, that's just a little trick that I use in my trading. 
but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I correlate volume um, between levels. So like if I'm looking at a level that uh, has a lot of volume and then, we, you know, if it's a bounce or if it's a resistance and so we come back to retest it, if I'm not seeing a lot of volume on that level again, odds are it's probably not going to break. Um, mention, I should mention for, for a while when I first started TA, I thought there was a difference between the red and the green volume candles or the volume um, bars. I thought, oh, if it's green, there's more buyers. It's not, right? It's just volume is wow. volume. It's just they just colored it green because the the candle closed green. That's it. But like, I know but like some when brokers. I, sorry, what are you saying? Oh, but no, I was just ending that off. I was like, I just know that the volume, the the, the volume will make it green if the candle closed green. So if the candle closed higher than it opened, then that's when the volume bar gets green. But then that's why after a while I just grade it out. I'm like, volume's volume. There's no like more buying or more selling. It's just you don't know. Yeah, I think you can. Like some brokers actually do let you split it. So you can see, um, I don't know oh. if, like I, I use trade zero. I don't know if trade zero does it. Cause I like, it, I don't use, I don't use volume like that specifically, but I think interactive brokers did, I think DOS trader does as well, where you can, um, you can set it so it'll split. So like the volume, like if you look at it, like if you look at a volume candle like this, for example, down here, like, you know, or you just take this big one for argument's sake. So like if it was this big red one, it would basically like say right around here, from there down would be green and then just a the little top bit would be red. And that basically tells you like buying versus selling. So even if it's a green candle or a red candle, it, it splits it so you can see the kind of size that's moving in and out of it. And like, that doesn't help me at all. Like it, it, it I don't see a use for that personally, but there is some brokers that, that do that for you. That's some Gucci data. I wonder if they charge extra yeah. for it. Cause I, I'm it one of those idiots like I would pay for it. I'm sorry. Yeah, it just just it just seems like noise to me. Like I don't I don't like I'm sure it's helpful to some people, but it's just I I just keep things so simple. You know what it is? Um, it's, be it's, it's because it's not because I know what to do with it. It's because I'm so curious. I would pay for it for like a month or two just to see if there's anything there. Like, yeah. Now, now I that I know it exists, I'm just like. Hmm. I wonder if tra Trading View might even have it. I, I don't think it's that uncommon. Bet you but, have to pay extra for it. Maybe. I wouldn't pay for it though. It's not really, like, I don't know. I never found it helpful, <laughs> but anyway, so, so basically like going back to this kind of like, like, again, you know, we were just talking in the group the other day and I kind of figured there was like a couple different scenarios here. So like, we're obviously like, anytime you get something like this, like whenever I look at charts, I always just look at it as if it's on like a short term time frame, like on a, like on a day or a couple day or a week, because like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of timeframes that I trade in. So when I see something like this, you know, this is obviously from 2010, up to you know 2022 and like i'm basically just looking at this like okay let's pretend these are five minute candles or 10 minute candles or one minute candles or whatever you want like you know what do i see and like this is what i see so i see this uptrend line where the stock's going up clearly the first time we really tested it hard was in it was in 2018 we came down and then it kind of rebounded and then it went slow and it went slow again and then we had the covid drop and i like i i didn't pick any of this up like in real time because like, frankly, I just wasn't that involved in the broader markets at the time because I didn't have the money to invest. I was just kind of on the sidelines doing my thing in small caps. Um, but in hindsight, looking back at this, I mean, this is like, like, man, if I had seen this at the time, this would have been such a clear signal to just fucking load into this. Because like, remember, remember, David, like maybe last year or something like that when Tesla ramped, I'll pull the chart in a second. But remember how I talked about when it just when it just goes below that uptrend line? And then it just it just creeps back over it. That's like major red flag for shorts. That's like all the sirens going off. Like get the fuck out because this thing's gonna blow the top off. And that's exactly like it's just so funny that it happened here on the S and P. So like it it dipped below that uptrend line that had been holding for ten years, and then it popped right back over. And as soon as it popped right back over, I mean we had the most explosive move that we've seen in like I don't know how long. 15 20 years like so i just yeah. thought that was really wild and like I'll, I'll pull up tesla just really quick we went over this on one of the other podcasts but I'll, I'll i'll try and remember where it is so i can show you the same thing here um yeah, it was right before yeah it was right here so so i did the same kind of thing here where i drew that uptrend line and it's a bit different but it, it's a, it's the exact same kind of setup where you have this really long term you know a couple year or year and a half uptrend line you know when, when whenever a stock pulls really far away from the uptrend line it generally wants to come back to it like the further it gets away the harder it's going to fall it's very rare that a stock would like 
you know, do something like this where it kind of comes way up like here and then it just kind of, you know, consolidates sideways up at these levels and then takes off again. Like usually when it pulls away from a major trend line like that, it wants to get back to it. So Tesla did the exact same thing, only a little bit of a different layout. We talked about this before where, you know, it kind of just stuck to the underside of that trend line. And then literally like you zoom in, I mean, as soon as this thing creeps over, it just sits there for a couple days. And then look, you get this first big, like people are kind of waiting, waiting for two, three days. And then you get that big volume push, push gap, and then just fucking rip, right? So I just think that's so cool. That's the exact same thing that the S&P did. Crazy. They, uh, that happened right at earnings. It, it broke trend, like, was that the two days before earnings? And then it went sideways. And as soon as earnings came out, it just went boom. Well, it makes sense, man. Like a lot, like the people that, you know, you don't want to say uh, manipulation or all this stuff, but like people run these stocks, right? I mean, there's people out there with a lot more money than any of us that manage these things and make the move, right? So they're not idiots. Like they know everything that we know. They know technical analysis. They know that, you know, if you look at the S&P here, for example, I'm not saying this happened on the broader markets, but for example, if this was a stock, they know that like, okay, this thing whipped down here. So as soon as we break that line, I know that everybody that's chasing this thing short is just piling into this thing. All the longs are selling because they're thinking, okay, it's broke the uptrend. I'm selling my stock. It's broke the uptrend. I'm shorting the hell out of this thing. And then as soon as you whip back over that, what happens? All your longs are gone because they've already sold. So there's no selling pressure. All your shorts are now in a red position because they just piled into this thing thinking it's going to tank. So what happens? You get massive uncontrolled buying pressure from shorts covering. Again, I'm not saying that the S&P was a massive short squeeze for two years, but just based on this pattern, like that's that's essentially what the psychology is behind this pattern. That's that's why I find it so interesting that it happens in something like the S&P where I'm assuming that move wasn't caused by, you know, shorts covering, but obviously you had stimulus checks and all this other kind of stuff, but that's that's what I mean, right? You have you have all these things coming into play when that move happens technically. So, you know, what are what are people looking at? I mean, it's everybody sees the same stuff. You know what? You might be onto something because I don't know if you remember. I don't I don't remember if it was the middle of 2020 or middle of 2021 last year, but we started hearing about all these hedge funds that were over leveraged and started busting. There was like a that really big one, Tiger or something or. I forgot what the hell the name was, but they started busting. I'm like, how do you bust during like one of the biggest moves of like the stock market's history? It's like you must have been short, you bastards. Yeah, yeah, they right. probably were. Because I remember, like, I remember clearly. Like again, I wasn't, I wasn't involved in the broader markets, and like you know, I could kick myself as much as I want, but I didn't have the money to to get into it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But um, yeah, that's like one of those things that that happens, right? It just it just reclaimed that line, and then. If all these hedge funds are piling in here short, I mean, that could have been enough to really send this kind of move going up. I mean, that, that could have been the kicker, right? So, yeah, my you, you buddy. Don't really know. And then that's. Sorry? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, that's pretty much all I had to say. Yeah. I was going to say, my buddy, I forgot what um, Credit Suisse, my buddy, I shot a wedding like last year. I met up with it's a bunch of high school friends. He works at Credit Suisse now, and I was talking to him. He's like, yeah, our fucking bank lost three uh, three billion dollars because of that that one fund that blew up. That fund borrowed uh, like ten or thirteen billion from a bunch of different banks, including Credit Suisse, and they blew up. And then all these banks are just write off billions. Yeah, so it happens, right? And if you're talking, you know, billion like tens and twenty billions and billions of dollars, I mean, you know, it can have an impact. I mean, it doesn't have a huge impact. Like you know, the market trades basically trillions every day, but it does still have an impact. You know what? That's what but, scares so this, me. This is just, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, I was saying that's what scares me because what he was explaining to me was like these funds only have like maybe a couple hundred million, but they figure out how to leverage their money because it's been such a great market for like 10 years. So they go to the bank and like, yeah, let's borrow, let's borrow, you know, 10x leverage from you. It's like, okay. The bank thinks so that's not too bad. They have whatever assets, but then they go to the bank next door and like, can we borrow some money too? And then suddenly it's like, you're, you're, you know, your thousand dollars becomes like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. That's why they're all yeah. blowing up. That's risky, man. Well, it's like, like Warren Buffett. That's like one of his golden rules is never, never trade anything but cash. Like, like he, he always says like, don't ever leverage anything. He's like, if you don't have the money in your bank, don't put it in. Cause that, that's how you can kill yourself. Right. Take other people down with you too. Yeah, and that's like that's the way I do it too. Like I don't, I've never ever taken out like 
a line of credit or I know like, you know, I know some of our friends do, but I've never in my life like pulled a line of credit to try and make money in the markets. Cause I can go sideways on you so fast. And I, you know, for, for a guy that trades short term, small caps, I mean, I, I don't have that kind of risk, risk tolerance. <laughs> I'm just going to say, I, I actually never thought about it, but you, your short sell, you, you, you have like what they give you like what five X leverage. I'm so surprised. I never heard you say use it. Not really. No, like most of my positions are like, I can use, I'm sure I've gone into it a couple of times. Like, you know, if you have a, say you have 10,000 bucks in your account and you take a short position, that's, you know, 12,000, like I'm sure I've tapped into it. I never really pay attention to like the actual dollar size of my positions, but like, it's not something that I'm like holding for a long period of time. And I always have a predefined risk. That's what these guys get, get screwed is that they just like, you know, they, they look at like, like how many people are short Tesla? They look at it like, Oh, you know, they think this, that, the other thing, and it's undervaluable. Say this was the chart here, and they're like, "Oh, okay. Well, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna short over here because I know that this thing's overvalued." And then the market goes, "Yeah, haha, surprise! We're gonna move up another forty percent." And then you blow up like AMC, GME, all that stuff, right? Like the companies are garbage; they're worthless. That doesn't mean the stock price can't kill you. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Even Jeff Bezos said that once, where he said the stock price is not the company; they're two different things. And it's the same thing we're seeing now, like. The S&P is not the economy. They're different things. Like the stock market is not the economy. And I think that was like, that was made abundantly clear during COVID because we had this little dip because everybody was just scared. They thought it was the end of the world. And then we just went straight the hell up for two years. And during this whole time, how many people did you know were losing their jobs? How many people's restaurants and businesses were going under? How many people were going broke? Like how many people were sick and dying? Like, you know, you, you take your pick and, so the economy was a complete disaster and the stock market is ripping. They're different things. A lot of people forget that. And that's, that's kind of what like brings you back to my original point is like, that's why I just look at like a lot of people probably think it sounds stupid, but I, like, I just look at this stuff. I just look at technical analysis because the chart is the chart. It's not the economy. Like, yes, I think the economy is obviously in the shitter and it's not doing great. And there's all these problems. And, you know, you hear about everybody who can't afford gas and, food prices are going up and like anybody who's a student or anybody who's, you know, living in a difficult situation. I mean, you know, gas and food prices go up. If you're living on the edge, like now you're screwed. So like it has a huge impact on a lot of people. So, you know, I'm well aware of that. And I'm well aware the economy is bad and people are losing their jobs. And there's also a huge chunk of people that just don't want to work. But like that's also been talked about for a really long time. And the market tends to move in a direction, you know, could be a year, a year and a half before the actual economy does. So, and honestly, I think that's kind of what's happening now is like, like what we thought was supposed to happen down here in the middle of 2020 is happening now. It's just a year and a half delayed. Really good way to look at it. That, that stretch to where we just ripped, that was all like the Fed's money printing, like that, that money never existed before and just suddenly showed up in the market and people were like, what do we do with it? Let's buy some assets. Yeah. Like this, that whole move is basically fake, right? But remember during that whole period too, like it wasn't just a stock market popping. Like people were buying art, collectibles, fucking NFTs, like everything uh, that's an asset, people were buying it up. They had free money, man. Like what are you going to do, you know, if you have free money? Like that's what this whole friggin' chunk is. That's all just yeah. like, yeah. like, you know, like, and that's, that's kind of what I, why I like it in small caps is it's kind of like a barometer. And that was one of the other things I want to mention too is like, like we have basically two years where like every single day there was like five new runners in small caps like there was always something gapping up there was always something running there was always some excitement like nor that doesn't happen like normally you get like you know you get like a few weeks or a month where like things are pretty hot and then it kind of dries up for another couple like two three four weeks and then it starts to pick back up again and then it kind of dries off again like it's it's kind of like these slow waves where like things are happening and then things aren't happening. But like when things are just happening nonstop for two years, I mean, that's like, that shouldn't happen. And like, that was kind of the other thing that I wanted to mention as well is like most of this year, like things have been relatively slow. I mean, obviously in comparison to the past two years, but in small caps, which is like, you know, small caps is kind of my barometer for retail traders because like, obviously if, you know, again, anybody who's a new trader, like everybody was, everybody was a day trader in 2020 because it was the cool job. And it's like, you know, you see some gap up 30% and it's like, oh, this dollar stock is now at $1.80 and like, it's got this big news and everything's all exciting. And I was like, oh my God, I can put 
$10,000 in here and it's going to triple overnight and I'll be super rich. And then it just tanks and you know, it's the same old story, but that's like when people are getting into that kind of stuff, that tells me that people are like starting to spend money again. Right. So that's, that's what I've been seeing the past like three weeks, like small caps have started to like heat up pretty efficiently, pretty aggressively, which, you know, I don't, I don't know if it means anything. Like, I don't know if it's just kind of a little blip, but like, it's more so than it has been over the past like three, four months. So to me, that tells me that there's at least some level of interest of people, you know, basically trying to hit the lottery again, because that's all it is. So there is some people starting to spend money again on the retail side of things. That's really interesting. I wonder if that cadence you were talking about before, like it would die down every couple of weeks. It was just like people waiting for the next paycheck from the real job. <laughs> like they yeah. get, get, right? get hosed and then it's like, fuck you wait for your next check. It's like, all right. Really? Yeah. Well, you, it's, it's the funniest thing. Cause usually what happens is like, you'll have like one massive runner. Like you'll have one stock that goes up like 300%. And then everybody's like, okay, it's, it's on. Right. And then everybody, and then like for the next few weeks, like, it's just, it's just craziness again, there's stuff running all over the place. And then like the moves just kind of like slowly get smaller and smaller. And like, you know, as people lose all their money and they kind of like lose interest and they get frustrated because they're not making millions and then it kind of like tapers off and then it sort of dwindles into nothing. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you'll have this like sort of slow kind of boring, easy market where like you can kind of short everything and it'll just like, It'll just fade off and there's not really any excitement. And then all of a sudden, once all the shorts get too comfortable doing that, then they'll get in bigger and bigger and bigger size. And then all of a sudden you get that one that just goes over and they're like, oh, the past like, you know, two, three weeks, everything's just kind of been like fluttering off. We'll, we'll give it a little bit more wiggle room and then fucking boom, you know, you're off to the moon and blows you out. You get another 500% runner and then everybody else who's just like, okay, it's on again. And then they throw their money back in. You get another few weeks of excitement, right? That's that's kind of the way it works. I can't believe you, you actually see that as small caps. That look that the whole time I'm in my in my head, I'm imagining, you know, you ever see that chart, the psychology of um, the market psychology of like the the crash and the bull and the whatever? It's like it's like there's um you start yeah, yeah. off with yeah, yeah. So it's like that's exactly what I was imagining in my head, but you're seeing it re real time playing out in these stocks. Yeah, yeah, it's I really I don't funny. see it in like, large caps. No, well, large caps are just so consistent, right? Because it's all like, like, well, it's not all, but it's mostly hedge funds and things like that. Like the only time you really get like retail action that's tradable is if you have like a stock that's gapped up on news or it has earnings or it has some reason to draw retail attention. Otherwise, it's just algorithms just chopping away at it and it's just hedge funds and they're like, they're very, very difficult to trade unless there's some kind of catalyst behind it. Yeah. So that's, that, that makes sense then. It's like pure small caps are like pure or more majority like retail and then maybe you know some sharks like you guys some professionals and then that's it it's just like anarchy yeah or, or just pure emotion you can see it in the charts yeah that's exactly what it is but but that's like so like to this it's like to this regard it was like it, this is this is kind of what i'm hoping is going to happen to some respect um and the reason i kind of drew this is like i i figured like in my mind there's there's two plausible scenarios we're either going to hit you know, where we are now, or maybe we'll go another 20 points lower to like 340. And then we'll kind of start forming some level of a base and turn around. I don't know how fast it's going to be to come back up. Um, I think the more likely scenario is that we come down to this, you know, this long-term trend line. And like, I know, like, uh, like a lot of people I've talked to that know more about financials and the economy than I do by far say that they don't think that's really plausible because like for it to come down here, you know, we basically be have to be, you know, 2026 before we hit new highs, essentially. Like it's going to take a long time. Like we're talking four or five years before we get to new highs. And like, to me, that doesn't seem totally unreasonable just because of the kind of move that we had and sort of what is happening in the economy right now. Like you got to realize too, like, like stock prices are coming down, but the real estate market really hasn't come down yet. So like, are we going to have, a situation where the real estate market starts crashing soon along with the stock market, because that's when we're in a recession. Like we're not technically in a recession yet, but if we have, you know, high gas prices, high food prices, stock markets already coming down, you know, the fourth thing is, is the real estate market. So if the real estate market starts crashing, that's when I think this could really take, you know, four or five years to get back. I don't think that's going to happen because I think what's probably going to happen is, the stock market will start to rise. I think the real estate market is going to come down a little bit because I think it kind of has to, or at least stay stagnant for a while. But 
as long as those two things aren't working together, like if the stock market starts to come back up and then real estate starts to come down, that's okay. It's not going to kill the markets because people will have that offset, right? Like people that have real estate generally invest in the stock market. So they'll start making money on their stocks again, even though they're losing a bit on real estate, people will be okay. It'll just kind of be like this lull of a market. Um, so I think, I think like in my mind anyways, I don't know what you think, David, but in my mind, it kind of is coming down to the real estate market from what I can see. Cause I think if the real estate market holds up, okay, I think we'll probably get something like this where we're basically going to hit new highs, like in a year and a half, maybe two years sort of thing. If the real estate market starts crashing and the stock market keeps crashing, then I think we'll probably come all the way down to this long-term trend line. And then we're probably looking at like, you know, 2026 kind of thing before we might get to new highs. So I'm like the pessimist. I'm like the worst case scenario kind of guy. And all day <laughs> I think about the worst case scenario of this thing. And I'm actually really frightened because there's like a bunch of factors that like, it's going to be triggered by the price of energy. That That's going to be the trigger. If the, let's say the war ends soon or, or it doesn't escalate to a point where it's worse, then we'll be fine because everything goes back to energy, like food, food production, transport, everything's all about energy, right? Even heating prices, we go to, we go into winter and, and gas, natural gas prices are high. A lot of people are going to suffer, right? So, so that's the, I think that's the trigger, but if that trigger is the worst case scenario, I think it'll easily hit that, that target you have, the, the trend line that you have. And it's because like, if you have people deciding what am I going to pay for heating my home, uh, driving to work or my mortgage, uh, what happens? Right. And then you mm -hmm. have the situation where I think a lot of people might be losing their jobs soon. Um, I don't know if I, I, I th I'm pretty sure I sent that link in the group where it's like, there's a website tracking, um, <laughs> layoffs right now in the tech sector. Like Peloton was like out, like just fired like 2,800 people, like uh, just across the board, like all these overpaid, um, engineers, computer engineers suddenly are like, are losing their jobs. And there's ones they're posting. They're like, they had an offer and suddenly it's like rescinded or they're just not calling. They just go, the company just ghosted on them. <laughs> like, it's just, it's not good. And those guys are the ones that were uh, bidding up like the home prices in many of the major cities, including Toronto. We have a lot, we're, we're like the, the North, uh, the tech hub of the North. So like, there's a lot of these factors at play here right now. It's like. We're at that point where it's like, okay, we can recover. If, every, if nobody blinks, you know, nobody rocks the boat, we will make it through this shit, right? <laughs> but then, yeah. you know, one fat guy let, lets, lets one let the fart rip and we're fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's literally, literally yeah. It's kind of like everyone's just kind of like, okay, let's all just be cool. It's kind of like when you walk into a room and like everyone looks at each other, it's like, all right. Let's all just be cool. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. Nobody make any sudden movements. Yeah, exactly. We're, I, that's the way I've been feeling for like a week and a half now. I'm just like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Like, I know. Like, that's, that's like, I think that's kind of the main point of this, like this podcast. And like, we've talked about it for the past couple of weeks is like, like, I just like to keep reiterating this. Cause like, I think it makes a lot of people stress out when they see stuff like this. I mean, like, like obviously like i'm sure there's a huge portion of people that started investing like mid last year right so if you started investing like you know people like in my age group right like a lot of my friends started investing like at the beginning of this year so like all they've seen is like oh great all the money i put in has been cut in half like and like they keep messaging me and so i gotta keep telling them like like guys like what was your plan when you put this money in the market like were you planning on making a huge bank and and selling it in two months okay yeah then maybe you should like you know, reconsider what you're doing. And that should have been your plan ahead of time. So, you know, why are you so far down in your position? Luckily, none of, none of my friends did that. They all say, oh, well, I was planning on, you know, taking this money out in, in six years to buy a house, or I was planning on, you know, leaving this in here until my retirement. And then, you know, my answer is always the same. Like, then what are you worried about? Like, you know, just, just relax, man. Like, it doesn't, doesn't matter if the markets are down right now. Like, yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it sucks. Like, nobody likes losing money. But that's why it's so important and we always talk about you know there's a huge difference between trading and investing like huge difference between trading and investing if you're trading you got to have like a firm stop like if it gets to here i'm out that way when you get into the stock you know okay if i put this money in the most i'm gonna lose if it hits my stop is a thousand bucks and i'm gonna make you know five thousand if it goes in my way whatever the situation is like you need to know that beforehand, because if you just throw your money into the market and you say, oh, OK, this is a trade, like it's just going to go to the moon. And like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to dump 10 grand into this stock and you think it's going to rip up and then it starts tanking. Well, now you're in panic mode and then you're going to start 
doing all this research and trying to convince yourself to stay in the stock and think, oh, maybe if I just wait it out and this is, it's not the same thing, right? Like, like when we're talking about buying stuff and being comfortable, we're talking about buying like really good quality companies, like buying the S and P like, you know, indexes, things like that, that you basically know are safe. And like, that's what I've said a million times before too, that like, you know, if the S and P just sells off and it goes to zero, I mean, my financial losses are going to be the least of the concerns because that means the whole American economy has collapsed and it's going to be like a complete new world order. That's like, you know, a couple bucks in the stock market is going to be the least of everyone's concerns if that happens. So I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. That's why I'm not worried at all. And that's why I keep saying on here every week, you know, I just, you know, I just every month I just put, you know, X amount of dollars into the stock market. Like I was buying stocks six months ago at the highs, just the same amount as I'm buying stocks right now. And the reason I'm still doing it is because all the stocks I'm buying and the indexes I'm buying, I know are good companies and I know that they're solid. I mean, like, you know, you can look at the financials of some of these good companies and you can see that, you know, they're making billions of dollars. They have, you know, they have no debts, like all this kind of stuff. And it's like, like, why would you be worried about that company going bankrupt? Like if we're in a recession and they're still showing these like, unbelievable numbers and they have no debts then what are you worried about just hang on and i mean it like you know it'll come back it's it's only if you're in shitty companies that are speculative because you're trying to make up make you know hit the lottery that's when you got to be worried yeah that's a really good point i like you were talking about it earlier i think people associate stock price with like company performance like no that's just the stock it's independent of how well the company is doing like how many times have we seen over the year where a company will report like record earnings and you just see the stock sell off the next day. It's like, what a bunch of idiots. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. These are yeah. real people behind the real companies. Um, we, we were just talking in the chat the other day, like me, you and Brian, like I even said, like I probably bought in a little bit early, but we're still buying because we see value in these companies. Like you can't time the absolute bottom, but you see value. So the question is like, am I comfortable buying here? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's, that's the golden rule at the end of the day. And it's like, you know, any long-term forecasting book that you see in a stock market, you can, you can run any scenario you want where you can say, okay, like I'm going to take, I'm going to take a 40 year period. And like people have like, I've read enough books now and enough people and enough studies where like this never works in your favor. Like the guy that tries to buy, like, okay, if you, if you nail every dip perfectly, like let's, let's just say like, you know, every, like you put X amount of dollars in every, like once a year, say for argument's sake, and you have say 50,000 bucks you're gonna put in once a year, every year for 40 years. If you hit whatever the lowest dollar value is to the T on the year in any of the major indexes versus the guy who's taking that $50,000 and investing, you know, whatever, $5,000 a month or 4,000 or whatever it is to match the same amount over the year, the guy that's just blindly investing on a regular basis always comes out on top 100% of the time. And that's what I think people need to realize is that, you know, well, I don't want to buy here. I don't want to buy there. Like, sure. Okay. If the markets are selling off like crazy now, like, yeah, you know, it's probably not a bad idea maybe to hold off a little bit on investing and just accumulate cash just for a safety net. Because especially if you're, you know, if you're kind of tight financially and, you know, you don't know how much gas prices are going up, you don't know how much food prices are going up, like save for that. Don't save because, you know, you're, you're trying to nail the bottom and, be that guy and this, you know, the hero that, that hit the bottom to the penny and then made, you know, 200% or whatever you're trying to do. Like that, that's kind of the way that I always think about it. And that's kind of the way that I explain it to people too. Cause I think it's, it's, you know, it's, it's scary. Like a lot of people get scared. I mean, you know, you and I don't like seeing our accounts drop this much. Like, you know, it's a, it's a lot of money that we used to have that we don't have anymore. But at the end of the day, that's, that's really what you got to remember is just the long-term outlook, like the time. It's, it's always, it's always a time. Like what was your time outlook and whatever your time outlook is, as long as you're okay with that, then just relax and just keep doing your thing. Yeah. There, that reminds me, um, I read a similar study to what you were quoting. They were like saying, look, comparing like how many up days there were versus how many down days and then the percentage moves up and down. And they're like saying, if you just kept your money in there, you would have benefited way more than trying to time your exit or trying to, you know, trying to avoid a, a drop or trying to time a bottom. It's like, let's just keep your money in there. You're fine. Yeah. And that's like, that's literally Warren Buffett's whole thing. I mean, he's the greatest investor of all time. And that's, that's, you know, he's the simplest quote where he says, you know, the stock market's a vehicle to or transfer money from the impatient to the patient. I mean, it's, yeah. it's literally that simple. Like it really is that simple because you're never going to nail the tops and bottoms. It's not, 
you're never ever going to do it. Nobody can do it. It's not possible to nail the tops and the bottoms all the time. So just invest for the long term. I mean, if you if you are a trader and you're a new trader, I would suggest, you know, sizing way down. Like don't use as many shares right now because the markets aren't, you know, as strong as they used to be, especially if you're a long bias trader. And if you're a short trader, I mean, you know, don't, don't take shitty setups and, you know, if a stock's only up 5%, don't short it just because you think it's the only stock moving, you know, wait till you get the kind of move that you're used to seeing and, and just, uh, you know, just, just take it easy. I mean, like it's times like this where a lot of people die and I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen on Twitter that are traders that are just, they're just gone, man. Like, like I used to see stuff from every day, like, oh, you know, another $10,000 a day, another $50,000 a day, like nonstop, nonstop for two years. And then all of a sudden it's just like, you know, you see them post a few big ass losses and then it kind of flutters away. And like now all of a sudden they're like not even on Twitter anymore. So it's like, you know, what, what happened? It's like, well, I know what happened. They, got, they didn't know how to trade and they were just, they were just, <laughs> they were just in a market where you could just buy anything. And, you know, even if it dropped 50% right then it would still bounce and you'd still make a killing. Well, now if you do that, it just keeps dropping. Right. So just, you know, if you are a trader, just be careful right now because it's, it's times like these where the goal is to protect your capital. It's really not to make money. I was going to say, like, like you talk about your trading, but then, uh, and, and you, you like what you trade, like the th first 30, 45 minutes of the market. But then sometimes you mention it, but I don't think it gets mentioned enough, like how much work, prep work you do beforehand, like the night before, and how many years of like ref of refinement it took for your strategy to, to formulate, to be formulated, right? And like these traders, mm -hmm. they were trading, they have, they couldn't separate what was the market. And what was them and wh which factor was was more of an impact on their success like was it their skills or was it the market and they all the idiots that lost their money was thinking that it was their skills when it was really the market whereas like if you have a defined uh strategy like you it's like you know what your strategy is it's very obvious the market will help but w even without that you know you know what's going on and that's that's the way to do it right and like like i, I mean i've been trading since you know the middle of almost five years now like since 2017 and like I've, I've seen enough general market ups and downs. I've tried enough different strategies that I've kind of, you know, I've honed in on what I know works and what works for me. And that's, that's all I do. I just focus on this one particular style of trading. And if I don't see what I need to see to be confident to make money, then I just don't, I don't do anything. You know, I just leave it. If I don't see anything, okay, well, you know, we'll come back and check again tomorrow. If I don't see anything again, all right, well, I'll check again the next day. You know, that's like, that's one of the hardest things I think with trading is that, I was even talking to my wife about it the other day where it's like, you know, it's not like anything else. Like, it's not like, it's not like playing guitar or riding a bike or learning a sport. It's not like, okay, you fell down, get right back up and try again. You fell down, get right back up and try again. It's like, no, in the stock market, it's like, oh, you fell down. All right, get right back up and now just wait and see if anything happens again. And then you wait and then it's like, okay, I'm still not seeing what I need to see. And then you keep waiting. And then you see it and then you fuck it up again. And that's like, ah, shit. Okay. I, I want to try it again. Like I know what I did wrong. And then you wait and you still don't see it. And then you're looking around and then you kind of forget about what you did wrong last time. And then, and then it shows up again and then you fuck it up again. And it's like, so that's why it's just like, it's this weird thing. That's not like anything else where it's not like you can just keep like, okay, I'll just keep trying and trying and trying. Like it doesn't work like that. You have to be super, super patient. And that's like, yeah. That's why it's so hard. That's why I always say, you know, trading is trading is, you know, it's simple, but it's not easy. Like it's a very simple thing to do, but like to sit there and like, you know, a lot, like a lot of people, I think at this, this mindset, especially if you're, if you are like gen, genuinely trying to learn it, like as a job and as a, as a real skill, not just kind of like, you know, YOLOing your money into random stocks. I mean, you kind of get in this mindset and like, I, I had this problem in the past and every now and again, like when markets are slow, I still kind of like, get this a little bit and then I shut it down where it's like, okay, I spent, you know, I spent 15, 20 hours over the weekend researching and analyzing everything. And like, I'm ready to rock. And, you know, I, I put all this time and effort in and then it's like, okay, like the stock market owes me now. Like it owes me money. Cause I put all this work in. It's like, no, 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 you can put all that work in and then just pay for it. If you take a big loss. So <laughs> you know, it's, it's like it's this really weird twisted system and that's why it's so it's so difficult yeah it's probably like some like the the mental emotional version of like navy seals training with like you have zero control you don't call the shots for anything no timing no nothing you're constantly being slapped saying you're wrong you're wrong you're wrong <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and then you just have to suck it up and keep doing it anyways 
Yeah. And, but to your point, I've never thought about it like that, but you're right. It's like, it's like, if you miss a, if you miss a shot with basketball, it's all right, I'll just go pick it up and shoot again. Now it's like, no, you, you hold the ball. We'll tell you what to shoot. Like, <laughs> it's like, you just have yeah. to stand there and fucking just take that shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but, but then you don't even know. Right. Because like, it's like this weird combination between like art and data and science. Like, it's like, you know, you have the setup. It's like, you know, like if, if you look at any chart, it's like, okay, well, I had the setup like we were talking about before where I was like, okay, you have a high volume push. And then when you hit it again on lower volume and it starts trickling off, like, you know, that's a short, but it might not be, yeah. even though it should be, it, it still might not be. So you gotta be ready to cut it. Right. Even if you're wrong, like, it's just like, it's like you have all this data, but like, there's, there's no way to trade without risk. Like anytime you get in a trade, there's no strategy that's hundred percent. So you always, always, always are putting risk on the table. And you have to be comfortable with that. And it's really hard. And like, you know, that's one of the hardest things about sizing up is, you know, you, you kind of like, you kind of see the numbers on the screen and it's like, okay, well, it's kind of like a, you know, kind of like a little bit of a video game or whatever. But like, when you really start thinking about like the real world implications of those dollars, it's like, holy shit. Like, I, you know, that's like, I could, you know, buy this car with that much money or I could do this with that much money. It's like, you, you think about it and then you think about it like in terms of like a, like a normal job, like how much money you make in a job. And it's like, geez, you know, like, like, say, you know, say you, say you trade in the morning or for example, and it's like, oh, you wake up and like, you know, you get to the markets and you're there for a couple hours and you make 500 bucks. And it's like, oh, okay, that was great. You know, I had a good day. And yeah. but then like you think about it and it's like, man, 500 bucks. And you do the math on that. And it's like, fuck, that's like, what is that like 150 grand a year if you can do that every day like that's a lot of money man like you know it's and then you kind of think about it it's like oh and then you think about the flip side where it's like okay maybe you have a bad day and you lose 500 bucks and it's like oh my god if i do that every day i'm losing 150 grand a year right like it's it's just this constant like mental fuckery that you gotta that you gotta fight off <laughs> speaking of that number i just i think it was let's say thursday Tuesday night, I was talking to. I, I'm in this other chat where we we we, we um we're, we're buying handguns right now because of the stupid band. We all got gun licenses. Now, one of the guys, he's a real estate agent. He just has a bunch of cash right now, so he's just putting into something. He's got a new hobby. It's his new hobby. But then, um, my buddy Matt, he introduced him to to investing. Matt does like options and stuff like that. But the the real estate agent got into the market, lost one hundred fifty thousand dollars. He told me the other day, and and I'm like. Did you lose it? Like, is that realized? He's like, yeah, I sold. I'm like, because I think that's that's an important point we should mention to people where it's like there's realized gains and losses and there's unrealized where it's it's like your stock is down, I don't know, like 60%, but it's unrealized. That means you didn't lose that money at all. You still own a piece of that company. And as long as you own a piece of that company, it could turn around at any given time because there's real people behind that company selling real products and putting real effort into it, right? But as soon as you realize that loss, you've already like, that's it, white flag. That You've accepted that that loss is, that's it, right? And he, he yeah. accepted the $150,000 write down, like, shit. That would sting. Yeah. yeah. But there's no reason for that. Like, there's no reason for that. And like, you know, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a careful thing that we got to say, because it's not like we're telling you guys to hold everything to like the zero. I don't know what the hell you guys own. I'm not telling you what to buy and I'm not telling you when to buy or sell, but if you own something good, I mean, if you bought the damn company, you should be confident in the company. If you, not if you're trading something, if you invested in something, why are you selling it? Like if you invested in something to me, like, okay, you know, if, if you're not doing your research, that's your own problem and you could lose money. But like, to me, if you're going to invest in something, you know, I want like, you got to know the company, like, what are they doing? Like how much money are they making? Is this a good company? You don't need to be an expert. I mean, Anybody can go on, you know, Yahoo Finance and you can find out enough stuff that that'll tell you what's going on with the company, all their financials, you know, how many employees they have, get an idea of their products. Like, do you think it's something good for the future? All this kind of stuff. And like, if that don't make sense to you, then, you know, the, the stock prices sell off for six months and you look at their their statements and they're still making money and the company's not struggling. Like, what the hell are you doing selling your stock? Like, that's just the stupidest thing you could do. He was a headline researcher, like so. He just read, reads the headlines. He bought uh, BlackBerry. I don't know if he had uh, anything else, but his main thing was BlackBerry. And apparently, he bought it because BlackBerry announced they were getting into self-driving. They're going to start make, writing software for self-driving. I'm like, really? Where the fuck did they come from? Like, where the fuck are they in this space? I actually made a bunch of money shorting Black. Oh yeah, it was on this day here. Look at that. <laughs> Can you pull the chart? Look at it. It was on this day right here. 
my god. This big fucking red bear right there. I nailed that one. <laughs> or no, sorry, this is Bed Bath and Beyond. What am I talking about? What's what's a Blackberry ticker? BB, I did I hit that one. I think it's just BB or BBM or BB, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Blackberry. Okay. There you go. I don't know. It's an ugly chart, oh, man. Look, look at that. Oh, yeah, I remember this. This looks like a small cap chart, man. What are you doing yeah. buying this for an investment? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Because you know what this is, guys? Like, just look at this chart. I mean, you can know nothing about stocks and be like, okay, which way are we going? We're going down. We're going down for, you know, a long time. And there's nothing here that tell me to buy this. And look at, because this went up with, this went up with fucking AMC and GME too, didn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that. So you know what happens now is look down here. You see, okay, let's, let's go to the middle here. Let's, let's go to where we are now. So this is our volume down here, right? This is how low our volume is. You can't even see it. You can't even see the volume down here when I zoom out into these big pushes. It's not even, it's not even registering. So what does that tell me? That tells me that you have all this and you have all this. All that, you have all that volume, all these people that were super excited that threw all their money into this because they saw, oh my God, you know, it was at $7 and in a week it ripped up to 14, it's up 100%. I'm going to put a million bucks into this thing. And then it goes up another 100% and they're like, oh my God, I'm going to be worth so much money. I'm going to put another million bucks into this thing. And then it tanks. And then they're like, oh shit. And then they hold on and hold on. And then it comes up again and they go, okay, okay, we're good. It's starting to go up again. Like maybe I should put more money in and they put more money in and then it goes up and then it just tanks again. So now you have just a colossal amount of people above you. They're all sitting above you and everybody, everybody up here wants to get the hell out of their position for at least break even. So if this price goes from five bucks, if it even goes up like close to 10 bucks. I bet you half of these guys just dump and it kills it because they're thinking, okay, you know, $10 is a pretty nice, you know, nice round psychological number. So if it gets close to there. They're just going to dump it. And like, honestly, like this, this is literally like a perfect chart. Like if you saw this thing gap up, it's a short every day of the week. It's a short. If this thing gaps, it's a short. I'll tell you right now, like no questions asked. That's exactly what I look for. How funny is it like that first spike it's so large it's like but that second spike is all the people that never learned the lesson the first time <laughs> well it's funny this one's even bigger volume too look they give oh, you shit, zoom I in didn't notice that this, no but you know why out. it's because you smart ass short sellers got in it was like all right let's dump on these guys no you know what that is it's it's all the fucking longs because this thing ripped up and then they missed it and they're like oh my god i could have made so much money so as soon as it started moving here they're like I'm going to put 10 times more money because look at what it did last time. You know, it went from eight bucks to 28 bucks. It's doing it again. It's going to go from 10 bucks to 80 bucks and then right. it tanks. And now you have even more people trapped. That's what that is. Uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. That sounds more realistic. I was, yeah. I was being a little, I was giving too much credit. <laughs> but it's like, it's, it's so clear. Like, like, look at this guys. Like if you look, if you look on the short time frames, I mean this, like this, this block right here where we based it like 12 bucks, this is all your volume. Like this is all the people that are stuck. So look at this, like these next, you know, these next few little pushes, like every time it gets into, you know, 12 bucks, which was where this thing bottomed out at, that's your support. That's where all these people are just like, oh my God, when that breaks, they're like, oh my God, if it gets, if it gets back to that at all, I'm out. And then that's why you get, look, look at this big red volume candle. You get a push back to that $12 area. A bunch of people are just like, I'm out, like we're done. Push back again to that area, I'm out, sell off, you know? And then finally over here, you know, we get a push up and then it gaps over that and then we get this other stupid rip. And then the same thing happens here. Look, you know, sells back down and then look, oh, a little bit more volume coming in down here. A couple big days and it touches 12 and I'm out again. Like, you know, it's like, like, and then again here, look, oh, another few months later, hits 12, oh, got to, you know, 12.33 and it just sold off again. And then now, now it's just completely dead. So like anybody who was brilliant enough to hold through, you know, one, two, three, four opportunities to get out for a relatively small loss. Now they're just like, oh my God, if this thing even gets up to eight bucks, I'm going to sell it. 
because like it's just going to go to zero. That's what everybody's thinking, right? Like that's what you have to put. You have to put yourself in the mindset of the people who bought this thing. And that's exactly what I do. Like when I'm short selling stuff is like I put myself in the mindset and I'm like, okay, how many people are stuck in this thing? Where are they going to want to get out and where they want to get out? That's where I want to get in. Crazy. I wonder how many traders are playing this now. Now, not many. There's nothing to play. No, but you notice like if there's a spike every, I don't know, every, there's on daily, it looks like maybe every two weeks, three weeks, there's like a dump. It'll go, it'll, it'll climb yeah. up a little bit and then like a little bit of a dump. It would have to go up a lot though. Like if, if I was going to, if I was going to short this, I'd want to see it like at least up kind of like in this 850 range, okay. like a, a decent gig. Like, like something like this, where it's like, you know, if we were down here and we gapped up from like, you know, 540 to 660, I mean, that's not enough. I mean, like, you know, you're trying to make, you know, 30, 40, cause like then, then your next support would be here at six bucks. Right. So if we, even if we gapped right up over this to like, you know, 650, 660, I mean, you know, you need, you need a push in the, on the, on the intraday to get in short, right. You can't just short the thing at the open. So you need some range. So like, if we're talking, you know, 20, 30 cents on a $6 stock, it's not enough. Something like dumping though. Thing, we, like it would have, it would, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just going to say like, it would have to get up. Like, like I would need to see it at like between eight and nine bucks at least. Cause then at least it's like, okay, you know, it's an $8 stock. Like, you know, it could open at seven eighty, push up to eight fifty, and then tank down to seven or six bucks. Like that's that's the move. So I was you just gonna like say those moves up, you see all those giant top wicks. Like somebody's dunking on them every time it goes a little bit up. Yeah, and it's always on volume too. Look at so there's like there's this one here, you know, volume push into eleven bucks and it sells off. Like big candle here, another big wick, and then it sells off. Like Another one here. Well, the, the, here, this is this is again. That's an ugly one. Saying. Yeah, but look, this is exactly what I was saying again at the at the start of the podcast with the with the S and P with the lower volume. So look at the volume here. Big volume push into twelve bucks. You know, comes down and then it pushes through that level, but it pushes through it on lower volume, rejects below this prior high. Check this out. Right, so it rejects below that prior high that's a short because we had less volume we got to new highs couldn't hold it it was on less volume than the last time i got to those highs nobody cares nobody wants to buy a push up that thing closes that's that simple that's the easiest way to trade it it's uh yeah it's freaking interesting but yeah, on the investment side, though, that was a bit of a, a, bit of a tangent. There. No, but I was going to say on the investment side, like let's assume this is a decent company, just like got a little wild, right? You could buy, but then how would you get in? Is what you're basically doing is DCA, like dollar cost averaging. Like right? you never know where the bottoms are. It's just like, am I comfortable buying here? It's come down. I don't know, like say 70 percent. Like let's just start sizing in, maybe every week, every month, set a certain amount of number uh, aside and put your 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 money into it. That's how you get get into the market. Because nobody's going to be able to tell you, like, oh, yeah. it's hit bottom. Like, yeah. That's, that's, it doesn't have to be much. I mean, like, I, I know a lot of people that invest $200 a month because that's all the free cash they have, and that's fine. You're putting in, you know, 200 bucks a month, and you just do that every month. That's, like, you're getting into the market. I mean, if you start doing that when you're 20 years old, you know, start putting 100 bucks in when you're 20 years old, I mean, by the time you're 30, that's going to be a shitload of money. Like, you're... You just keep you just keep increasing it as you as you can afford it. It's not like like it's 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 not something that you need to like you know like starve yourself to be able to invest in the stock market. That's not the way it is. But like you have to be smart enough that like you can you can invest. Like you don't you don't just want to like you don't want to save cash because cash is just deflationary by nature, and you don't want to you don't want to just like you know kill yourself trying to invest in the stock market. You got to find the sweet spot where like you know you still have money coming in so you can live and like go out for dinner and you know buy yourself a new you know atv or whatever the hell you want to play around with like you know have some have some spending money but then outside of that i mean like what do you what you know what do you do? invest your money like if you don't need it and like it saves me from myself because like if i didn't invest my money i'd be buying fucking toys every day <laughs> that's a very good point a lot of times i've trained myself 
years ago, but it's like instinctive now. Where it's like, if I want to buy something, I'm like, okay, well, well, what's going to what's going to be a better return? Putting this money into a stock like Tesla, whatever, something that I like, or buying like a computer or a laptop. And I'm just thinking in my head, hmm, well, if laptop is needed for work, then I can generate some revenue for it. But if I'm just like a gamer, like what the fuck am I doing? I'm just like burning cash. Right, that laptop today, yeah. that, whatever that cost me, it could be like $10,000, like five, six years from now. It's like, what could I get then, right? I, I think the exact same way, man. Anytime I buy like a big ticket item, like, like I bought a lawnmower like a couple months ago, it was like four grand or whatever after taxes. And like, I needed it because I needed to do lawnmower, but I was like, and it's nice and everything. But I was like, <laughs> once I buy it, I'm like, the whole time I'm thinking, I'm like, like, fuck, this four grand in like 30 years would be like, sixty thousand dollars if i put it in the markets like you know like that's just the way that i think so like like i have this weird mentality where like when i buy something i basically just like 10 times the value of it and like that is how much i consider it costing so if i buy, if I buy something that's a thousand bucks it's ten thousand bucks to me because I, I know what that money can do in the stock market that that's the opportunity cost times x is it worth it times x exactly yeah <laughs> it's awesome do, 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 do you factor yeah. your time into it though Cause I, I, I started factoring my time into it. Like I just, I eBayed, um, a galaxy note 20 is like two years old the other day. And it was, it was like 700 bucks Canadian shipped and whatever. Right. But the reason I got it is because my new job, I'm fucking on Instagram all day. Like it's just killing me. I need something bigger, like just to right. It's like, and I found myself like bitching on my phone because I'm typing so slow. I'm like, every time I type, I'm losing fractions of seconds and add it all up throughout, you know, weeks and years like this, this could really save me some time if I got like a, like a bigger phone that could do more, right? So I, I calculated that way too. Yeah, yeah, that's the, I, I do the same thing. It's like, like my, you know, my trading setup. Like you guys obviously can't yeah. see it, but I got like, <laughs> you know, I got monitors wrapped all the way around me here. I got a TV, like I got all kinds of stuff, right? So it's like, yeah, you know, I spent all this money on this setup, but like it pays for itself very quickly. Like I, I, I because I can see so many different charts at once. Like you know, if I hit one trade because I had it up on one of my screens that screen just paid for itself like immediately. Right. So like, that makes sense. Like, you know, again, same with the lawnmower, right? Like my, my old lawnmower was so shitty and slow. It would take me like three hours to cut my lawn. Now I can cut my lawn in 45 minutes. So that gives me another two hours that I can work and do like more productive stuff. So like, you know, the 4,000 bucks, like sure it's 4,000 bucks, but I get two hours extra every week that I can work. So to me, that, to me, that makes sense. Incidentally, I think you just, you just kind of like touched on the formula for like how people like if you if you're short on income or like you're tight on income like how you can get ahead you use that shitty lawnmower <laughs> until it's done like for x amount of years however many years you just suck that shit up because all the money that you're saving yeah. you know it's going to add up to something later that you can use for something better and get your time back and get your get your investment back yeah yeah that's a lot of people do that man that's that's one of the things i think is so poison like well, I think we'll kind of wrap it up after this yeah. one here, but I just, I just want to touch on the, on the social media thing. That's why I just think that like the social media side of things is so poisonous. Cause like people just see like, you know, I know you're, I know you, you know, that's your job and everything, but like, not, not to that respect. I'm just saying that like people see so much stuff on there where it's like, you know, Oh, I'm traveling. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. My life's great. I have all this stuff. And it's like, it's like, okay, there's most of that stuff is either fake or you're just following like, the 10 people out of the 10 billion that do have that kind of money. And then if they do have that kind of money and they're, you know, 18 years old and they have all this stuff and it's like, okay, well maybe their dad is a, a billionaire. Like you don't know, right? Like you're, you can't put yourself in that situation. It's just going to like, just going to bum you out. So like, I'm like, I really don't go on social media much like at all anymore. Like, you know, I was, I was going to delete my Facebook, but the only reason I kept it is because I have Facebook marketplace. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I invest in Facebook too. <laughs> Love but yeah money. it's like yeah it's the best but yeah i just think a lot of people just like you know it, it just kills you to look at that kind of stuff and like even with trading i mean you know you see all these people that are making like there's there's tons of people that make you know make a million dollars a day in the stock market like don't worry about it like it's not you like you gotta you gotta you gotta start from where you're at and work your way up it's no different than a job right like where does everybody start you know you go to public school and then you can go to college or university and then you get a job and then you work your way up and it's like oh you see this ceo and you know in new york and he's making 50 million dollars a year it's like well i bet you when he was 15 he was still just some kid in high school being an idiot like you know you were you get to that point over time you can't compare you know your your you know day one to somebody else's day 500 
So just, you know, I don't know. It's kind of irrelevant to the whole stock market thing, but I just think a lot of people forget that and just kind of get caught up in it all. I got your back. I will wrap it up. I'll wrap it up in a bow. How it ties it back is that you should not compare yourself to anybody else but yourself, just like your stock trading. You compare yourself to your previous performance, nobody else's performance, right? So it's just like the same thing in life, right? You compare yourself to how, where you start. Everybody starts at different spots. So you have to keep that, keep that into your, your consideration when you look at how far you've made it, right? You, relative to somebody else, you might look like you're behind, but relative to where you started from, it's like, holy shit, you've gone a long way. So there it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. Wrap it up here. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll uh, we'll keep you posted on our thoughts. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we're right about the markets uh, picking up again in the next little while. But you know, if they sell off, then well, hold on to your hats, I guess. I'm buying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying. Yeah. <laughs> See you guys.